This morning, the scripture reading is taken from Matthew chapter one, verses eighteen to twenty-five. Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen to twenty-five. Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet: the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke out, he did what. The angels of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate, consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. This morning, Reverend Lenita will preach to us. What child is this? Thank you, Ming Hong. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, those of you who are here and those who are joining us online, this year in our English district is a very special year. I joke to say that I am a grandmother. I became grandmother of two because two of our pastors、uh, during the year were expecting、uh, a, a child each, and then at the end of、um, October,、uh, both Reverend Ting. And、uh, Reverend Charles Dew,、uh, both their wives gave birth to a baby girl each, and so I'm sure uh, uh, during that time of waiting and expecting,、uh, because、uh, Reverend Ting shares a lot, and so the expectation, the concerns, the, the the hopes, the aspirations of the birth of the child. And I'm sure many of you here, whether you are parents or grandparents, you remember the time of waiting for the birth of a child. And Joseph and Mary were no different. And this today, as we look at this passage from Matthew, as well as from Luke, we would know that the nativity story, the birth of Jesus, was recorded only in two of the four gospels. Now I'm not sure whether、uh, some of you have、uh, compared the narratives. Now, if not, let's take a look at it. In Matthew, Matthew chapter one begins with the genealogy of Jesus. Luke doesn't. Matthew talks about the angel appearing to Joseph. Luke doesn't. Luke talks about Joseph taking Mary to Bethlehem. We all know that story. And how Jesus was born in a manger. The shepherds came. The angel proclaimed. It's not found in Matthew. 
And so this morning, what I would want to do is to ask the question, what child is this? And we get first the answer from Matthew. Then the second answer, we'll try to get it from Luke. And then the third answer, I will let you know who are we getting that from. And so as we turn to God's word, let us turn to him in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful to you for this day. Thankful that God, this is your day. That you have allowed us to set aside time to come together to worship you. For those of us here in the sanctuary and those of us at home joining online, Father, we ask that you speak to us. We know that you are the omnipresent God and you are everywhere with us. We know that you are also all-knowing and all-powerful. And so we continue to commit our lives to you. Speak to us, Lord. Make us, help us to be good listeners and doers of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so, what child is this? The first person to answer would be Matthew. And as I've said, Matthew chapter 1 begins with the genealogy of Jesus. And it begins, genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Right there, it tells you that Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. And we all know Abraham is the father of Jews. All right, And so here proves that Jesus was a Jew. And so then as we look on at the rest of the passage, the passage that was read for us, it begins by Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. What does faithful to the law mean? Joseph was brought up as a good Jew. And so from young, his parents must have taught him the law and to keep the law. And in the law, there's no way he could have married a woman who is pregnant with somebody else's child. And so Joseph has to keep the law. And so straight away, we read that he is faithful to the law. He's a righteous man, different translation. And so he has to do the right thing. And that is to quietly divorce Mary. He's not supposed to quietly divorce her. He's supposed to take her to in front of the elders and have her stoned to death. But he was a good man. And so he thought of quietly divorcing her. But then the angel appeared to him. Now, Matthew was written by Matthew, the tax collector. He was a Jew. His audience were Jewish people. And so you can see that in the Gospel of Matthew, he constantly referred to the Old Testament prophecies. And so you need to understand that his audience were Jews. And so then when, when the Jewish uh, audience read verse 20, and after he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Immediately the audience would think of all the different ancestors who had angels appear to them either physically or in dreams. Remember Abraham? Many times there was the appearance. Remember Gideon? The angels appeared. Remember Jacob? He was sleeping. He had a vision of angels coming up and down the stairs. And so to the Jewish audience, when they read this verse, 
verse 20, angel of the Lord appeared, they would be nodding their head. Yes, yes, we know that. We understand that because many of our ancestors had that experience. And then if you read on to Matthew, to the rest of the passage, you realize that Joseph has the star role. He is the actor, he's the star of the whole Christmas narrative. And in the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 1, Mary was the supporting role. She's mentioned only four times in the whole Christmas narrative in Matthew. Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus. Verse 18, his mother Mary was pledged to be married. Verse 20, do not be afraid to take Mary home. Verse 24, and so Joseph took Mary home. It's always linked to the star, to the key role, the person with the key role, Joseph. Mary was secondary. Because of the fact that this is for a Jewish audience, it must be about a Jewish man who is righteous, who knew the law. And so then, as the angel told Joseph, go take these women home to be your wife. What do you think was Joseph's initial response? Was it an easy task? No. But then as Joseph thought that it is not an easy easy task, would he think of all the tough assignments that God had given to his ancestors? Building the ark on dry land was crazy. Leading the people out of Egypt, standing in front of the Red Sea and putting out your hand was also impossible. What about going to Nineveh? What about marrying a prostitute, which Hosea had to do, or buying a piece of land in the middle of wartime, which Jeremiah had to do? Friends, Joseph would think of all the tough assignments that God had given to his ancestors. And the Jewish audience, as they read Matthew's gospel, would also nod their head and say, yeah, that's our God giving us tough assignments. And the question that we need to reflect on, what if God gives us a tough assignment? Would we say no? Or would we be obedient? And then the instruction follows, name the child Jesus. Jesus is the Greek version of the name. The Hebrew name is Joshua, or Yeshua, which means God saves. And so this name is a reflection of what this child would be, that he would save people from their sins. Then we see Matthew. Here he had to throw in a prophecy. Like I said, that's Matthew. So if you go back and look at the Gospel of Matthew, you would see that every now and then he'll put in an Old Testament prophecy because his audience were Jew. They would know. So whenever there is a prophecy, when there's an Old Testament quotation, they would understand. They would, yes, yes, we know that. And so here he says, this is to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And that's from Isaiah. And then he would also remember 
Joseph would also remember the prophecies that God gave through Isaiah, through Jeremiah, that a branch will come out from Jesse or a descendant of David. Here you have in Isaiah chapter 11 or in Jeremiah 23 and 33 that from David there will be a righteous branch. And so all this, you would you can just imagine the Jewish audience nodding their head and say, yes, yes, we know this is part of the fulfillment of the promises God made to their ancestors. And so what child is this? Matthew's answer would be, it's a fulfillment. This child is a fulfillment of God's promises. This child is the promised Messiah. This child is the promise that was made to David and prophesied by Isaiah and Jeremiah. The promise to Abraham was thousands of years ago. The promise to David was at least a thousand years before Christ was born. The prophecy made by Isaiah and Jeremiah was six to seven hundred years ago. The one thing that you and I need to remember as we look at Matthew's answer is our God is a faithful God, is a promise keeper. Doesn't matter how long. For some of us, we get a bit impatient. God, your promise. One day, show it to me. One week, one month, I'm impatient. One year, I give up. When it comes to Christmas, when it comes to Advent, when we look at Matthew's narrative, we need to remember that our God is a promise-keeping God. Hundreds of years, thousands of years, He is keeping His promise. And so later on when we sing our hymn of response, what child is this? The chorus says, this is Christ the King. Haste, hurry up, haste. Bring him, Lord, bring him praise. Come and worship him. But if we ask the same question, what child is this to Luke? What is Luke's answer? It will be very, very different, his answer. This morning I asked the Chinese congregation, how many books are there in the New Testament? Can you all answer that question? How many books are there in the New Testament? Anyone? 27, that's right, 27 books. How, which is the longest book? We all know the shortest verse, John 11.35, Jesus wept. What about the longest book? Out of the 27 books, which is the longest book? Any guess? We're looking at Luke, so it has to be Luke, right? Who are the authors of the 27 books? Who wrote the most? The letters. Paul. Right? What about other writers? Matthew, Mark, John, Peter, Jude, all of these are Jews. There's only two books written by a Gentile. And you can guess who. The only book, or rather the only two books, Luke and Acts, written by a Gentile. Who is it for? Of course, Gentile audience. 
the longest book. And so for Gentile audience, audience who do not have Jewish parents who taught them the law from young. So there's no need to talk about Old Testament prophecy because they don't know. But where is the focus? The focus is on outcasts. And so if you read the Gospel of Luke, you will see that Jesus spent time talking and eating with women, with children. These are considered outcasts. And then, of course, with tax collectors, the sinners, the poor and the sick. And so it is no wonder when we look at the Gospel of Luke in the, the Christmas narrative, what do we have? We have barren parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. These are bad because they are barren. They are not blessed by the Lord. And then you have a young Jewish woman who got pregnant before she got married. Bad. And then you have shepherds. Now, because shepherds are constantly in touch with bleeding animals or touching the dead, they are ceremonially unclean. So these are also bad people. And so you see that Luke's focus, chapter 1, chapter 2, about the Christmas narrative, his focus is on those who are outcasts. And then just as much as in the Gospel of Matthew, Joseph was the key role, you all can guess who's the key role in the Gospel of Luke. And so the Christmas narrative altogether, I counted, there's a hundred verses. Guess how many times Joseph appeared? Same thing. Mary has the key role, the star role. Joseph is only the supporting role. He appeared only three times. Said that Mary pledged to be married to a man, just any man, not important, this man called Joseph. And then Joseph went up to, uh, from Nazareth to Judea. And then so when the shepherds hurried to see, they saw, look at the way it is put, Mary and Joseph, not Joseph and Mary. Now, all this subtlety tells you who has the key role, and that is Mary. And I thought the choir uh, prepared us by singing the song, Mary, Gentle Mary. And so the focus in the Gospel of Luke is not on the righteous Jewish men, but on a woman. Although she is Jewish, but she is a woman. The Gospel of Matthew begins by the genealogy. Who is Jesus? His lineage, his, the fact that he is a pure Jew is important. But in the Gospel of Luke, nothing. No genealogy in chapter 1, chapter 2, and finally in chapter 3, after his baptism. Then only talk about his genealogy. And so you'll find the genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 23 to uh, 38. At the end, in verse 38, it says, Who is this uh, uh, Jesus all the way? He's the son of Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. The lineage of Jesus is not traced up to Abraham, the father of Jews, but all the way back to Adam. 
the father of humanity, proving to us that Jesus was a man, was a human being. And so you can see now the difference between the Gospel of Luke, same Christmas narrative, and the Gospel of, uh, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. And then we look at the words that the angel spoke to Mary. Do not be afraid, you have found favor. You will conceive and you call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendant forever and his kingdom will never end. And so here you have it that this king is not the promised Messiah, but the king of the whole human race. And then we also know when the angels proclaim, I bring you good news. For who? Not only for the Jewish people, but for all people. Good news of great joy to all people. And so the question, what child is this? Luke would answer, descended from Adam, not from Abraham. Saviour of the world, lowly and humble, born among animals, visited by shepherds, showed that he identified with the outcasts. And then, good news for all people. In the final stanza of the hymn, what child is this? I love this. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come. Who to come? Peasant. The socially low, lower class. And then come kings. And so whether you are low social status, high social status, come. The king of kings salvation bring. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Luke's answer is that this child is a saviour of the whole world. And finally, asking the same question. What child is this? What is your answer? We have heard Matthew's answer. We have heard Luke's answer. Now, what is your answer? What child is this? I've purposely chosen the backdrop to be purple colour and then the image there is a crown of thorns. For Advent, pastors, we wear purple stole as well as you can see the pulpit cloth is purple. Jesus came, born, and then died on the cross. The crown of thorns is to symbolize his death. And then what? Then he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven. And he promised to come again. It's been 2,000 years. Is he keeping his promise? And so Edwin needs to remind us the God whom we worship is a promise-keeping God. His promises to us in his word are so encouraging whenever we face difficulties. And so here you have Matthew's answer, he's a promised Messiah. Luke's answer, he's a saviour of the world. What about my answer? 
as I go through life, roller coaster, mountain high, valley, crooked, bends here, rough road, as I go through life, do I remember the promise-keeping God as Matthew chose to highlight? Do I remember He is the Savior of the whole world? Now, for many of us, we go through life, we remember bits and pieces, the promises here and there. What's your favorite promise? I will be with you always. Seek and you shall find. Make your path straight. What are the promises? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. In my Father's house are many mansions. All these are His promises to us. I only managed to find these posters that say a hundred promises of God to remember each day, but there's more promises. And so Advent season must remind us of God's promises and that He is a promise keeper. Advent reminds us of the first coming. It also reminds us of the second coming, and especially today with communion. Part of our ritual would say, He will come again. A very interesting thing happened to me during the week. Some of you remember how I reacted last week when we sang the song, Oh, come all you unfaithful. And I thought there was a mistake. During the week, I attended a small group uh, Bible study, and we were talking about Advent. And one of the leaders said, Pastor, actually there are three comings. I froze. I was thinking, oh no, another wrong theology. Where does that come from? He said, first coming, second coming. In between the first and second coming, the third coming that is important is the coming of Jesus into our lives. I breathe a sigh of relief. That is correct, isn't it? Although we often don't talk about it as a third coming. But that is so important. Friends, whether you are here in the sanctuary or whether you are there joining us at home, has Jesus come into your life? He came the first time he was born in Bethlehem. Has it got anything to do with me? He will come again. Has it got anything to do with me? But what is important for all of us this Christmas season and every day is to answer the question, what is he to me? Has he come into my life? And so the second stanza of what Charles says, why lies he in such mean Poor, lowly estate, where ox and ass are feeding. Good Christians fear, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And sinners hear, the silent word is pleading. The word of God, the light of God, pleading with us to make a response. What child is this? What's your answer? How many of you have seen this? I know someone posted uh, last night on Facebook. Do you know where this is? Not Riverfront, not Batukawa Park, 
but yes, right outside. We're thankful to God for Brother Sung Sing, Brother John Lin, and the MIF. They took, I think, about two weeks to put this together. All right, it's a, a plywood cut and then put out the lights. Okay, so we invite you to come at night to take pictures. It is right here outside. But with what, when I looked at it last night, I was thinking, so, so appropriate. Matthew, focus on Joseph. Luke, focus on Mary. What about you? What about you and I? What child is this? We know Matthew's answer, we know Luke's answer. What about your answer? What child is this to you? I invite I invited the Chinese congregation during this to say that those of you who are online, you can just, you know, uh, type on either YouTube or Facebook. What child is this to you? But for those of us here, think about it. And if you want to share with the one sitting next to you, what child is this to you and to me? Let us spend some time in reflection. Then we will sing our hymn of response, What Child Is This?